Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, to grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Have you listened to some of the music nowadays? And some of the slang words, and don't misunderstand me. Yes, we need to be relevant. No, I'm not saying get religious in your speech. You know, you see somebody in the supermarket, how you doing? And you go, oh, bless the Lord, hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And I'm not saying that. You understand, say amen. I'm not saying get all religious and spiritual in your language. I'm just simply saying, watch your language and don't allow yourself to become so much like the world that people don't even see a difference. You know, trying to be relevant in some of the music nowadays, I'm talking to my kids and the words that they use in Christian music. This is not good. Jesus says, every idle word will be judged. Now notice in verse 38, I got to move on. Then some of the scribes, look at verse 38. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, and they said, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them in verse 39, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth the men of Nineveh will rise up fascinating verse the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed underline this A greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, underline this, a greater than Solomon is here. Now stop right there. These guys are complete and total hypocrites. Remember back in verse 14... The Pharisees plotted to kill him. They were seeking to destroy him. And now they're saying master. This word master means means teacher. It means Rabboni. It's actually a term of respect. Now they're saying master, we would like to see a sign from you. Now, needless to say, we've already discussed it. They've seen many signs already. Jesus has caused a man to rise from the dead. He cast out demons. He healed a man of his uh, eyesight and his ear. He, He couldn't hear, and Jesus gave him the ability to hear. Jesus has done signs over and over and over again. He's raised the dead, as I said, and now they ask for a sign. He's already given them a sign. How many people do we know that say, you know what? I'll believe in God when he gives me a sign. You ever heard somebody say that? 
well, you know, I believe in God. When, and, and some say it, they mockingly say it. You know, I believe in God if he gives me a sign. You know what? If God right now strikes me with, some, with lightning from the sky, then I will believe in God, they say. And I say, Lord, please do it. Please do it right now, God. Do it now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Because people like to mock God and ask for a sign. When in reality, if he did give them a sign, they wouldn't believe. Signs don't save people. Signs don't even encourage faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, saints, and hearing by the... You know it. You see, your faith comes by hearing the word of God, not by seeing miracles. And so they say, show me a sign. You know what? Jesus never, ever, ever, ever searched the scriptures, see if these things are so. Jesus never, ever did a miracle or a sign for a skeptic. Never. Jesus doesn't do miracles to satisfy people's idle curiosity. Jesus always does miracles out of love and compassion for people because they need a touch, because they need healing, because they need hope. Jesus does not do miracles as some kind of circus or some kind of show. And notice what he said. He said, I'll give you a miracle. Here's a sign, one sign, and that's the sign he's talking about, the resurrection. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus is talking about Jonah and using Jonah as a sign of the resurrection. Now, if you believe in the resurrection and you believe in Jonah, then you are in good company. Because Jesus believed in the historical or the historicity of the character of Jonah. Jesus did. And I believe it. As a matter of fact, I've learned much about Jonah and theology from Veggie Tales. Have you? You can learn a lot. You can get deep theology from Veggie Tales. Have you not known this? Jonah was a real person. Jonah, the Bible says, that he was swallowed up by a great whale. Now, we don't know in Hebrew, we don't know what kind of whale that was or what kind of fish it was. Actually, in Hebrew, it says a sea monster. Jonah was swallowed up by a sea monster, and, 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 and he spent three days and three nights in the belly of a sea monster or a belly of a great fish. And after three days and three nights, he was barfed up on the beach, which is next week's title sermon, by the way, barfed up on the beach. After three days and three nights, you got to come back and hear it. And you say, come on, Rodney. I mean, do you really believe in a man who lived in a fish for three days? As a matter of fact, between services, one guy came up to me and told me that it was back in 1908, they had discovered a man who had, 1902 or 08, who they, a man discovered who had been in the belly of a fish, and perhaps you know this story, in the belly of a fish for three days, and when he came out, he was completely hairless. The, 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 uh, the acidity of, of the inside of the, of the fish had literally cleaned the hair off of his skin. He was completely hairless. True, they found a man like that. But beside that, You say, Rodney, can you believe that a man spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish? I absolutely do. Why? Because I don't have a problem with Genesis 1-1. 
In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says what, saints? In the beginning, God. Why would I have a problem with God creating a fish so big that a man could live in it for three days and then barfed up on the beach? Why would I have a problem with that when we are talking about God? In the beginning, God. It is everything that you see God created. He's a creator of all things. The Bible says that he is holding everything together by the word of his power. So if we're talking about God who created everything that you see, then why couldn't God create a Jonah fish, if you will? Perhaps this fish doesn't exist anymore. Who knows? But why couldn't he create a Jonah fish designed specifically for Jonah and Jonah live in it for three days and three nights? Well, how couldn't he do it? Why couldn't he do it? Of course he could. You see, of course he could. So just as Jonah, if you will, was barfed up on the beach by the power of God, Jesus will be raised up from the dead by the power of God. You see, Jonah is a type of Christ. And notice the sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah is in reality what Jesus is saying, the sign of the resurrection. Now, we've talked about this in great detail. We won't cover too much of it this morning. But the resurrection, as I've told you in the past, is the greatest historical event and the the greatest attested historical event in the history of mankind. The resurrection, the Christian faith, rises and falls on the fact that Jesus Christ physically and bodily rose from the grave. If Christ be not risen, Paul says, our faith is futile and you are not saved. So the hinge that Christianity swings on is the resurrection. We've talked about that. Over and over and over again in the Bible, there's overwhelming evidence of the resurrection, the empty tomb. That's evidence. Where is he? Easter Sunday morning, they got to the tomb and he was not there. The post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, there is evidence. Jesus appeared and proved himself alive, Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And I believe the most powerful piece of proof of the resurrection is a transformed life. Peter, John, Paul, you, me, all transformed by the power of the resurrection. Frank Morrison, perhaps you know that name. He was a scholar. I love this. He was a scholar and a journalist. And for seven years, he set about to disprove the resurrection. And you know what happened at the end of that seven years? He got saved and was born again. Don't you love that? Uh, You need more evidence? Here's a book, Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Have you read Know What You Believe by Paul Little? The resurrection, the most attested event in all of history. And Jesus says, if you want a sign, I'll give you a sign. That's the resurrection. Now, we all know the story of Jonah. God told him to go to Nineveh and preach, but instead he went to Tarshish on a ship. You know the story. And the Lord sent a great storm. Jonah was thrown into the sea to save the ship. And then he reluctantly went to preach to the men of Nineveh. And because Jonah was angry and he hated the Ninevites, his opening comments, read it for yourself, his opening comments when he got before the Ninevites was 40 days and judgment is coming. Now suppose I got up this morning 
And my opening comments were, in 40 days, you're all going to hell. God bless you and have a good week. You'd be like, uh, the visitors are like, uh, do not come back to this church. Don't come back here. Check the next church down the street. That's what, because Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. He hated them and he was angry. And so he pronounced judgment on them. And when the people heard Jonah's message, the Bible says that they repented and they gave their hearts to God and they, the children repented. Fascinating. I'm reading this story last night in preparation for this morning. It just occurred to me that not only did the people repent, not only did the children repent, but the king made the animals repent. Have you read it? It's true. He put sackcloth and ashes over the animals. Everything repented. And you know what? Instead of Jonah being happy about that, he was angry and he was upset. You see, the Ninevites, they were wicked and they were pagan and they heard the message and they repented. And now on the other hand, the people of Israel, they had the law, they had the prophets, they had signs, and they had wonders, and a greater than Jonah among them, and they refused to soften their hearts. Therefore, the men of Nineveh are going to rise up in judgment against them. And then look in your Bibles in verse 42. The queen of the south is the queen of Sheba, if you're taking notes. She's a pagan. Not only is she a pagan, but she's got a double whammy because she's a woman. She's a pagan woman. And in 1 Kings chapter 10, the queen of Sheba came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And she left saying, the half has not been told. She said, it's awesome. Listening to Solomon, amazing. The half, you guys didn't tell me. I'm blown away at what I heard. That's what she left saying. You see, Solomon had the wisdom from God, but Jesus is the wisdom of God. Solomon was a great king, but Jesus is the king of kings. Solomon gave to Sheba all that she desired, but Jesus gives us above and beyond all that we could ask or think. Solomon spoke practically to his nation. Jesus spoke powerfully to all creation. And so the queen of Sheba will rise in judgment because she honored a mere man and they are rejecting the greater than Solomon. In chapter 12, there are three greater thans. In verse 6 of chapter 12, we're told that Jesus is greater than the temple. And here we see two. Jesus is greater than Jonah and Jesus is greater than Solomon. Therefore, that makes Jesus the greatest, not Muhammad Ali. Amen, saints? He's the greatest. Now notice, and notice in verse 43. In verse 43, note very fascinating verses here. When an unclean spirit, now here Jesus starts talking about demon possession. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. And then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and they dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. 
Notice, stop right there. Give me your undivided attention, if you will. Notice Jesus is talking about a spirit, a demon, a fallen angel. And he calls it an unclean spirit. That word unclean literally means wicked or desperately vile. So when a wicked or desperately vile spirit, Jesus says, leaves a man, it goes seeking a place to inhabit because it finds no rest. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time on this this morning, but I think it's important to understand. As you search through the scriptures, you can see that when demons cannot inhabit a person, they seek to inhabit animals. You remember the pigs? Remember we called them deviled ham? I'm sorry, I, I won't say that again. I'm, that was my last, all right? But remember? So when demons can't inhabit a person, they seek to inhabit an animal. And when they're not living in a person or living in an animal, it is considered for them a dry Place. And at some point, they decide to go back to that place where they first left the home, let's call it the house where they first left. And, and, and when they go back, if they find that home or that house empty, swept clean, free from sin, clean of demons, the Bible says they return with seven more. And now there's eight demons present. And the seven are even worse than the first one that left. And so Jesus says the last state of that man is worse than the first. What is he talking about? We all know people who at some point some place in their journey in life, they decide to clean up their act, don't we? We all know people who at some place, in some point in their life, they decide, you know what, I need to become a better person. Maybe they've been on drugs, and they decide, I need to get off drugs. I need to go to NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous. Or maybe they've been on alcohol, and they've been an alcoholic, and they decide, I need to go to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. I need to begin to clean myself up. And so they do, and they become a better person. And they stop doing this, and they stop doing that, and they start even going to church. And they start to read their Bible. And they start to become a better person. We all know people like that. In other words, the house is swept up and cleaned up and shined up. But here you go. It's not filled up. Danger. Danger, danger, danger. I'm going to become a good person. Don't misunderstand me. Becoming a good person is a good thing. Good for you. But Dr. Phil... The answers to the United States is not, if you're Phil, um, nothing personal. If you're Dr. Phil, sorry. The answer to the country's problem and to people's problem is not that they might feel better about themselves and get their lives together and clean their lives up and get cleaned up and shined up and swept up. The answer is not in getting fixed up. The answer is getting filled up by the Holy Spirit. 
This is what Jesus is talking about here. Now stay with me. You take a note, write this down. Reformation without inward regeneration is dangerous. Morality without spirituality is dangerous. You see, we, we live in a country, people concerned with getting prayer back in school. I'm not concerned with getting prayer back in school. Don't misunderstand me. I'm a pastor. I'm all for prayer, all right? Don't misunderstand me. But I am not concerned with getting prayer back in school because you can get prayer back in school and you can get the Christians the ability to wear Christian T-shirts and all of these issues that we face in our country and still be as lost as we were before we got prayer back in school. The issue is not getting prayer back in school. The issue is not moral reform, but the issue is spiritual life. It's not moral reform. We don't want to be a moral nation. You know, 9-11, we all came together and we held hands and we sang, we are the world, we are the children, and we're all one under God. And we all want to become moral people. Our country, we need to be, morality is the answer. Morality is not the answer. Spirituality is the answer. And by being filled up with Jesus, you might remember, don't you remember, in John chapter 3, Jesus, this man named Nick, came to Jesus at night. Nick at night. And Jesus, okay, I'm sorry I lied. That was my second one. All right, no more. You remember Jesus? You remember this man came to Jesus that night? His name was Nicodemus. He did come to Jesus that night. And, and Jesus had a conversation with him. At the end of the conversation, Jesus said to him, what? Nick, you need to be born again. Nick, you must be born again. Do you notice Jesus didn't say you need to clean up your act? He didn't say you need therapy. He didn't say you need reform. He said you need to be born again. You see, can I tell you something? Let me, let me share something with you. Reading your Bible is not the most important thing. What, Rodney? That's right. Reading your Bible is not the most important thing. Going to church is not the most important thing. Hey, get this. Believing in God is not the most important thing. Okay, Rodney, you get into heresy now, man. No, I'm not. Believing in God is not the most important thing. You see, the devils believe and they tremble. They're smarter than you. I know people who know the Bible better than you. They may know it better than me. I know people who go to church every week. I know people who believe in God. Look, you got to be an idiot not to believe in God. Come on, if you got a creation, there must be a creator. I mean, you got everybody believes in God. So what? And what is your God? Okay, that's a whole other sermon. But just because you go to church or you believe in God or you read your Bible, that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is have you trusted Christ with all your heart to save you from your sins? And have you said, Lord, I don't want to be fixed up, cleaned up, swept up or any of that. I need to be filled up by your Holy Spirit and be born again. That's the most important thing. And if you haven't been filled up by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter how much you read your Bible, you go to church, or you believe in God. It matters not. You see, that's religion that says read your Bible, go to church, and, and, and believe in God, and you're somehow a Christian. 
No, 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 no. That doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is, is are you born again? Have you trusted Christ as your personal savior? Have you received him into your life and into your heart and you are born again? That's true salvation. And that's what Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about. Listen, your religion and all of your rituals and all of your stuff has nothing to do with me. Jesus is not talking about religion. He's talking about relationship. Amen, saints? Talking about relationship. Do you know him? Do you? You see, morality can't save anyone. Morality without spirituality changes nothing. Good works without faith in Christ saves no one. Religion without relationship in Jesus is futile. Don't just clean up the outside of your life. You got to give him your life fully and completely and be filled up by the Holy Spirit. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.